Sports. Yeah, boys, from the Everything College Basketball Podcast, Josh and Peyton here to remind you all that college basketball season is right around the corner. Yes, we finally know it's right around the corner. And Peyton, there's only one place people should go for all the college basketball excitement. Well, Josh, the only place to find all college basketball hoops all the time is Everything College Basketball. Everything College Basketball can be listened to on several podcast hosting sites like Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. And we can also be found on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Everything College Basketball. Yes, make sure you are joining the group with a, a couple other hundred people and growing by the day as we march into year number three of the Everything College Basketball networking system. Now, let's get back to Conrad and everything pro wrestling. Folks, welcome to Everything Pro Wrestling. Everything Pro Wrestling and Hubbard Wrestling Weekly present to you Clash of the Podcast. This is episode seven. It's been it's been seven wonderful weeks with my uh, partner here, Sean. We got some good conversations going for you, uh, Sean. What is happening, bro? What's the word, Conrad? I'm not gonna lie. I have been in an amazing mood today. Don't ask me why. It is cold. It is a little bit rainy, but I am feeling good. Maybe because my Giants are five and one. Maybe because your Bills, I believe, are five and one or four and two. I'm not sure which one. Or we only took one out. Don't, don't, we don't need any more added on, baby. But we beat them Chiefs. And uh, overall, I'm just getting over the uh, misery of my Mets being out of the playoffs. But it's been a crazy ride. But enough about that. We're in the building, man. Uh, Clash of the Podcast, episode seven. I can't believe it. Episode seven. It's uh, it's been a beautiful thing, man. I appreciate everyone who's been taking the time out to listen. Uh, we are going to start off with this intro, and we've got some interesting topics for you guys this week. So make sure you guys stick around, retweet it, send it out, spread the word, give us a follow on social media. You know what to do. All that's down below for you in the description. Let's get it with the intro. <music> It is that time. It is that time. Now, I don't know if I have the date correct, but I know it's within the next couple days or I missed it already, but I have to acknowledge this. One of my favorite moments as a fan, as a little kid, I have to bring this up. Brett the Hitman Hart winning the WWF Championship from Ric Flair in, do you know the place? I know you know it. I know it's in Canada. I know he won it in Canada. I want to say Saskatoon. Yes. Yes, he he comes out, Brett the Hitman Hart right here, gets his first WWF championship, the Winged Eagle. It's a beautiful thing. And uh, I just remember being excited as a kid when they announced it. I was like, hold up, wait a minute. The dude who was the Intercontinental Champ just beat Ric Flair like that? Not Hulk Hogan, not Ultimate Warrior, not Randy Savage? And I loved it. I thought it was such a great thing. Changing of the guard, my brother. It was definitely an epic moment. It was on free television, so nobody, you know, figured it would happen. I believe it was on primetime, if I'm not mistaken. 
I think they showed highlights, but I don't even remember for myself like being able to see it. I no, I didn't see it live, but I just I just remember vaguely. I see in my mind's eye, I remember seeing the prime time banner in the background. That's what I'm trying to say. Maybe I'm wrong. No, no, you're right. No, it is actually. Look, hold on, real quick. Uh, video proof. If you can see right behind Brett, you see like right in between. I, I wish I had like a marker to show this like Madden style, yeah. but right in between where his arm is with the elbow pad, primetime wrestling. There it's it is. up there. I still no doubt. So the memory is there. But um, yeah, and shout out to everyone who is joining us. I see we got uh, Demon in the chat. We got Matt Lopez in the house. Man, thank you guys so much. Uh, please feel free to uh, chime in. At, at any given point in time, I see you, Mr. Pro Wrestling. Thank you for uh, coming in here as well. Appreciate you guys. Ready to talk wrestling to bubblegum, and I'm fresh out of bubblegum. That's it. I know where that's from. Love that movie, They Live. The classic now. But, Sean, I'm going to let you uh, start things off with this opening topic. You know something? I want to I wanna put something on blast. I know Conrad hates when I do this, guys, but... Conrad always is kind of like the, the creative force behind the show. And, um, you know, but he always gives me the respect and the appreciation of asking me my opinion, which I which I genuinely appreciate, which is why um, he's not just a colleague, he's a brother. But I'm going to get uh, off the sentimental crap and get focused. My point in saying that is this subject I felt like needed to be talked about because, for me, the change in the, I guess, changing of the guard as it relates to the commentary teams on Raw and SmackDown, NXT as well, but specifically Raw and SmackDown, I think it it definitely shows a lack of consistency and and basically a lack of hitting it out, a lack of hitting it out the park as it relates to getting the proper combination uh, of guys on the microphone to properly tell, and we all know wrestling fans and now wrestling journalists, that it's all about telling a story. And I feel like Michael Cole, obviously, since 1996, 1997, has proven himself to be legitimate. Is he a Mean Gene Oakland? Is he a, uh, is he a, uh, a Bobby the Brain Heenan or a Gorilla Monsoon or a Vince McMahon when he was an announcer? No, but Michael Cole has proven himself to be a really good replacement for Jim Ross, who's also a legend, right? But now we're talking about, in my mind, and Conrad, correct me if I'm wrong, several changes over the past 10 years or so, maybe five to seven years or so in the, you know, commentary teams. And I feel like they do it every year. And I thought it was basically kind of like a a ploy to kind of have everything switch up in preparation for the draft or in addition to the draft. But I don't think that's what it is anymore. I, I think they're picking for straws. I think that they've come to a realization that it's just not hitting, you know, um, it, it wasn't working with, Adman, and it wasn't working. I don't think you know. Even though I like this most recent guy, he wasn't too bad, but he he wasn't giving us what we needed, at least not in my perspective. And the only one who I really feel, besides Michael Cole, who's truly knocked it out the park, is now doing college football. I'm talking about Pat McAfee. So I wanted to take a quick look back, and, and my esteemed colleague wanted to take a quick look back at some of the greatest commentary teams of all time. Now there was no Monday Night Raw. But there was Superstars, and there was Wrestling Challenge, and there was Nitro, and there was, uh, you know, the main event. And there were several shows that came on weekly, Primetime Wrestling, where you had these unbelievable comedic 
and educational wrestling minds that came together to make pure magic. So before I go further, man, tell the people, do you, does anything stick out in your mind as it relates to just commentary teams that just completely blew you away? Because it's not like that anymore. Yeah, so I guess let me let me piggyback off of you and start with what what I don't like about commentary today. I can probably reiterate half the lines from the Royal Rumble 1992 just based on pure hilarity, things that I love about it, whatever. Sean, if you ask me what was said during a show today, Dynamite included, I have no idea what these guys are saying. And I don't know if that's a me thing. I don't know if that's how it's presented. Maybe I've heard it all, so I'm just kind of like blocked it out. Mm -hmm. But I don't listen anymore. And I probably haven't since the Attitude Era, truthfully. Like even during Ruthless Aggression, I just don't listen to anything they're saying. Because sometimes they lie to you and you don't appreciate that as a viewer. Like I'm like, okay, you're making stuff up to say whatever you have to say. I'll get back to you when I can. You're 100% right. But if you ask me my all-time favorite duo... It's got to be who I put on the cover. It's got to be Bobby the Brain Heenan and Gorilla Monsoon. Like I said, that 1992 Royal Rumble, I'll never forget Ric Flair coming out at number three, and then he's just battling everybody. Oh, God, please. If Ric Flair wins this Royal Rumble, I'll never do another bad thing again. Bobby Heenan, the most villainous manager of all time, just down on his knees saying that stuff, just had me in tears. Bulldogs pressing him over his head, slamming him down. Please, oh, that was close. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'll never, I'll never do anything wrong. I'll never do anything wrong. <laughs> I'll never, I, I never meant that about Big Boss Man's mother. Like, he even went back to old stuff. He was like, I didn't mean that stuff. Piper, he was like, Piper, Piper, it's not, it's a kilt, it's not a skirt. Then the moment Piper turns off Flair, it's a kilt, you idiot. It's a <laughs> kilt, throw him over the top. And I just, I love it that. was pure magic, man. And they were funny, actually. I know some, now listen, going back, if you listen to some of that stuff, you cannot say that stuff. Facts. You cannot bring up the Tito Santana jokes. Right. Absolutely not. And even Gorilla Monsoon, but some of his stuff's even said today still, like in the video games and stuff. Mm-hmm. When the immovable force meets the immovable object, like people right. remember these moments. And I thought they had so many, and they were my favorite even outside of the ring. Uh, you brought up primetime wrestling and some of those other shows. I used to love those. They would sit around the table and they would talk, but they would have funny moments within it where it's like, oh, Bobby, I'll give you this Christmas gift if you're nice to these ladies who come in. And Bobby's sitting there. He's trying to compliment them, but they're all backhanded compliments, and you're just dying laughing. Those were great. It, it was. And, and it, it, like I said, it told the story. And the reason I'm so passionate about this, man, is that it's just not like that anymore, man. I mean – I, I, I hate to say it, but it's almost like Jim Ross and 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 the King were, was the last true dynamic duo in wrestling in WWE. I mean, I enjoyed Shivani and Bobby the Brain in WCW. I even enjoyed Eric Bischoff to an extent. Um, I like Shivani a little bit in AEW. I think that Jim Ross is kind of, and I say this respectfully because we all get older. I think Jim Ross is getting older, so his clips and his banter is a little bit less. I like when he, he quotes... Um, the acclaimed, listen, that's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> but but it's not the same, man. So it's like, and obviously mine is just completely right on target with yours. Bobby the Brain and, and Gorilla Monsoon was absolutely awesome, man. So it's like, now, where are we at, man? You know, where are we at? Like, you know, there's no more Jesse the Body Ventura's running around. There's no more, to a lesser extent, rest in peace, Roddy Piper's running around. 
there, there, there certainly isn't the quality of Bobby the Brain and, and Gorilla Monsoon. Rest in peace to those guys. There's certainly not the quality of those guys anymore, right? No. Corey Graves, Corey Graves and and it, I, it's not hitting for me. And let me, I want to, I want to bring up something that I did not talk to you about in the production meeting, bro. I am not a fan, and and they changed it now, obviously, as of a couple weeks ago. This kind of like ragging on Byron Saxton that 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 Corey Graves does, it's not funny. It's uncomfortable to me. Am I being sensitive, or am I am I on target? I think I'm okay with it because Byron Saxton presents himself as kind of, I don't want to say this. You know how you hang out with a group of friends. Mm -hmm. There's always like, yo, everybody's cool. And then there's just that one dude that everybody hangs out with. The Cheddar Bob, as I like to call him. Mm -hmm. Like, what what did you just say, bro? Like, why is he with us again? Like, he's the one that's going to ruin any good moment. And you know it. That's Byron Saxton, I feel, on the commentary team. He'll say something. You're just like, What? Uh, is Corey over the top with it sometimes? Yeah, but if it's not leading anywhere, if it's never going to lead to a match, I really don't care if that's wrong, I guess. The, like, if Corey's not going to get in the ring with Byron ever, there's not going to be a tag match or something, why are we doing this? Okay, okay, I feel you on that. I feel you on that. Let me ask you a question. Let me, let's, move, let's move forward into this. Did you feel like Jimmy Smith deserved to lose his job, or do you feel like he needed to be transitioned into something else? Okay, so this is going to be funny. So the after effects of what Jimmy Smith's saying now, yeah, he should have lost his job. Okay. Because if that's how you always felt deep down and that's how you were going to act, I think that's terrible. Like him talking mess about like Roman and this ain't fighting and this is like whatever. I'm just like, bro, that that's whack, man. Like Jimmy Smith was in a prominent position. He had the opportunity to make money for his family, whatever it may be. That's why you're in the wrestling business, right? You make that sacrifice every Sunday. You get on the plane to go to the city to do Raw. Why he decided to talk bad and then say it wasn't a real sport, I thought it was very disrespectful. Was he great in the role he was in? No. He was better oh. than Adnan Burke. He was, he was passable is the best word I could think of right now to use for I that. that. I think that's an accurate depiction. He's when you bring your mom a C-plus home. You mm-hmm. know she's not happy, but she's not mad because it could have been an F. So she's like, you know what? This is all right for now. But I think that's that was the issue, though. All right for now, and if we don't see anybody getting better, they're talking about getting rid of NXT talent. I guess that applies for everybody, right? You're not getting better in a couple months. You know what I, you know what I think is the worst thing in the history of WWE um, announced teams? And it's for a different reason than your ex. But when I say this thing, you're going to be like, duh, of course. Mike Adamley, right? He was terrible, right? This is several years back. But it's not for the reason that you think. Obviously, he stunk. Everybody who remembers Mike Adamley, if you don't remember Mike Adamley from the American Gladiator days, he he had a short cup of coffee with WWE as a a reporter and announcer. It was really terrible. Messing up Jeff Hardy's name, calling him Jeff Harvey with a V. It was was awful. That being said, though, that being said, though, the reason why I say Mike Adam Lee is terrible for it, and, and, and looking back historically, it was a really bad deal, is now everybody, and I'm piggybacking off of your point, Conrad, now everybody remembers Mike Adam Lee as being so terrible and so bad that as long as you're not Mike, as long as you're not Mike Adam Lee, you're okay. And I don't think that's good enough anymore. I don't think I don't think C pluses should be good enough anymore. Mike Adamley was an F minus, okay? But just because you're better than Mike Adamley doesn't mean that you're acceptable. We're we're talking Gorilla 
and Bobby and Jesse and Vince, let's give Vince his credit too, and JR and The King and uh, maybe you could say Michael Cole. We're talking about AA+. That's what it should be. Announcing is just as important almost as what's going on in the ring. Right. And shout out to Robin Sick. I see you boys that joined us as well. Appreciate you guys coming on in. Um, yeah, Demond said my team was uh, young Vince and Jesse, but that Jim Ross is the voice of wrestling. Uh, you could put him up there with anyone. And I, I, I don't know, man. Jimmy Smith, I see. Let me see. I'm going into the chat here. Jimmy Smith was too MMA. I think he didn't get it as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think sometimes this is where I don't like the WWE's previous mindset of like, I want someone who's not from wrestling to do this. I don't get like, I don't elaborate, know. If I ever heard that. Elaborate on that, brother. Tell me why you feel like going, they keep going that route. I feel like Vince and them don't want to be associated with wrestling. So in Vince's mind, I think he wants to make it bigger than wrestling. This is bigger than wrestling. This is the grandest thing you could see ever. It, he wants it to kind of be like the big circus that comes to town, but he goes to each town, he makes his money, he comes back, and then does it all over again for you, right? And he knows what's the A-town, the B-town, the C-town. Vince has this all set up into his head. Mm-hmm. But but I think when Kevin Dunn does it, he doesn't like wrestling. Mm-hmm. Kevin Dunn shoots things. He wants to see things a certain way. Mm-hmm. Oh, Michael Cole looks better than Jim Ross on commentary, and that I don't like. Like, see, that's where commentary went down for me. When you're trying to force Michael Cole into a spot that Jim Ross definitely deserved and had, and it wasn't time to bench Jim Ross when they did, when they put him to SmackDown and all that. It wasn't time. I'm sorry. Michael Cole's not better than JR. He's that's not. just my opinion. He's not. And and he won't be. That's a tough spot to fill. You know what I mean? It's hard to be when you come after the greatest. You never want to be that person. You never want to be like, oh, I'm like it could be anything. That's the greatest boss, and then you're coming in to fill the role of it. You'll never be able to do it because rules change, things change, and it's never the same again. And it takes a while for people to forget that and then get back into it. For some reason, everybody smiles when I mention this name, but I mean it in the most serious light. Um. <laughs> I mean it in a little serious light. I know what's up, dude. I agree. I agree. Um, so here's the deal. Todd Pettengill. I think Todd Pettengill was good. Um, he was kind of a feel good kind of guy. He never was was a play by play guy. I don't think he was ever a color guy as well. I think he was either backstage or whatever the case may be. When Michael Cole came in, let's give Michael Cole a little credit. No, he's not Jim Ross. But when Michael Cole came in, Michael Cole was looked at to be a Todd Pettengill wannabe. Actually, wrote, I remember there was an infamous uh, backstage report where Road Dog actually called him Todd Pettengill and said, you're no Todd Pettengill, and actually called him Todd Pettengill. To be, look that up. It's in 98. He was making fun of him, talking about him being Todd Pettengill, Todd Pettengill wannabe. Michael Cole outgrew that, okay? So we got to give him credit. He outgrew the Todd Pettengill shadow. But to your point, he never was able to achieve Jim Ross levels, and not that he ever should achieve Jim Ross levels. Jim Ross was is, is famously um, someone who's always given a great deal of credit to Gordon Soley as being his, his inspiration. Jim Ross, to this day, would probably say he's not as good as Gordon Soley. Um, right on the money, brother. Would never, would never say he's as good as Gordon Soley. 
I think he surpassed Gordon Soley, but I say that with the utmost respect because Gordon Soley was awesome for his time. JR took it to another level. You would never say, you would never hear um, Gordon Soley say, son of a, you know, that wasn't the time that he was in, right? And we all know that some of the most famous Jim Ross calls of all time included the A word, the B word, a lot of profanity, right? So that was what also made him so cool, that the color, the color that came along with the attitude era, right? But at the end of the day, to bring it back to Michael Cole, Michael Cole, I think, has been saddled with an era that is not conducive to being great. Feel me on yeah, that. That I, I do. I think um, he's he's kind of the, the starting point of mediocre commentary within the company, if that if that's a fair point. Now, I will say this. I do think Michael Cole has had his bright spots. I mean, we mentioned before him teaming up with Pat McAfee. I think Pat McAfee brings an energy out. Pat McAfee reminds me of someone who's hyper, so you have to match that energy. Like, if he's yelling and you're trying to call a straight match, it's not going to sound good. So he knows, like, I need to match that energy. That's the beauty of their team. When you get into um, some of the other teams like JR and King, they just complimented each other so well because JR is the straight wrestling guy and King's talking about other filthy stuff that you're not supposed to. What are you doing, King? Like that That's how it worked for him. Right. And it was all right. And, and I like how some of these guys have been able to uh, transition from different roles. Like Michael Cole as a heel commentator I thought was absolutely abysmal. Like I did not like that exactly. at all. Like those were some rough, rough commentating years for Monday Night Raw. Uh, in my opinion, uh, <laughs> oh my goodness, some of the uh comments are here have me cracking up. Moro Ronaldo was a great one, too. I loved him in NXT. Moro was good, Moro was good. Yeah, someone would get dropped and he would just be like, Like that new Drake album that just came out this week, yeah. <laughs> he would have references for everything. And, and I just, Moro Ronaldo, like his tag team partner, uh, I think his name was Nigel, Nigel McGinnis from Ring of Honor. He was pretty good. I enjoyed him, too. Yeah, I wonder why. He recently uh, left the company. I don't know if he left on his own or that's an interesting story, but I always thought he was great. Always thought he was great. What's going on, KJ? I see you in here uh, giving our props to JR and King. Uh, Six says, Jimmy Smith is the perfect example of why you shouldn't hire people who don't have love for the business. It never works out. Rob said, can we all admit Jerry Lawler, especially after 2007, is and always has been a bottom-tier color commentator? Ooh. Ooh. He, he, fell, off, but he fell off like we – I mean, when we get older, it's not, as, it's, not as, it's not as sexy, not as cool, not as awesome as it was in the earlier years. Nobody – look, I agree. 2007 through present, Jerry Lawler is not – because you know what? Everything started to become recycled, Conrad. Yeah, listen, me and Casey – Casey Briggs, he's probably going to watch this after the fact because he usually tells me the next day. Mm-hmm. He always argues about Jim Ross, and he says that he thinks JR is the most – he's not saying he's the worst, but he thinks he's the most overrated commentator of all time when he goes back to listen to him. And I, I, I don't know, man. What we're bringing up now makes it different. But if JR is overrated, how bad to him must be the other people of today then? Right. That's, that's the craziness when it comes to – uh, all of this, people are coming in here with five. who put ether on. Say what you want about Enzo, but he cooked Corey Graves that one time. He tweeted the only reason Corey Graves has a job as a commentator is because he can't take a bump in the ring. Yikes! And especially hearing that from Enzo, that's the last person who I'd ever let someone talk trash to me. The okay. best hires from wrestling. Uh, that's why when we talk about the best, they got their start in wrestling. Do you agree with that? 
you think like Michael Cole and Taz? Like, did you like Taz as a cop? Taz is an acquired taste. I feel he's like caviar. Like, you either gonna love him or you're not. Taz makes me laugh sometimes because I'm just like, what are you doing, bro? I think Taz and and Michael Cole was a really good B team. I I enjoyed them being B team. I don't think I could ever listen to Taz and Michael Cole every Monday night, every Friday night. Well, like we had to do, obviously. But I think here's here's okay. Here's the proper answer to your question. He was okay. But every week, you knew who was better. You knew that Jr. and 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 King of that era were miles miles ahead. And that leads me to my next question. He, and this is for the chat. And I want I want people to either give a yes or a no in the chat. Is Michael Cole? Obviously, we know Michael Cole. If we had to narrow it down to the best announcer of the past ten years, it would have to be Michael Cole. If for no other reason, by default, right? Yeah. Is Michael Cole a Hall of Famer? I would say by default, yes. Okay. I think I think he would have to be. And Michael's the, the Michael Cole's so weird because you could point out how bad he can be, but then there's these moments of greatness like the uh the NXT uh UK tournament with like Pete Dunne. He was remarkable on that i thought he did a great job they he has these moments where i'm just like yo he's that was a really good like show like michael cole did his thing right there and it's it's just very very awkward to uh to see it happen with him i think he should be i wish they would put more announcers and everybody in there (laughs) he said that awkward silence when he asked that question I mean, no. Okay. Shout out, shout out to Six, and shout out to ML for answering the question. Yo, Six. For me, for me, I think I kind of expected that awkward silence because it's really not an open and shut case. Michael Cole. I think all of us, you know, me and Conrad are in our thirties, so we've had the best of both worlds. We've seen the best of the best come down the pipe. Michael Cole is just the best now because there's nobody else. But does being the best? of a mediocre era make you Hall of Fame caliber? I think in this case it does. Because if we didn't have Michael Cole, where would we be? That's the question. Rob says for his overall contributions, yes. But what constitutes a WWE Hall of Famer? Oh, he came back with a question. I would say, you want to take this one? Or you... No, no, I want to hear what you have to say. Because I don't think there's a real answer to it. I think... As we're talking about commentary to stay on or stay on focus, I think you have to be a voice of your generation to be a Hall of Famer from a commentary perspective. Michael Cole is the voice of a mediocre generation, but he's still the voice of the generation, if that makes any sense. You know, Gordon Soley was undoubtedly the voice of his generation. Vince, Jesse, Bobby, Gorilla were obviously, without question, the voices of their generation, right? There's no question about it. Tony Schiavone was the voice of his generation on the WCW side. This is the greatest city in Panama, Florida. <laughs> right. <laughs> every, every week was the greatest Nitro in the history of, of Nitro, right? But So here's right. the thing. What constitutes a Hall of Famer? And from the from a standpoint of, of, um, of commentary, you have to be the voice of a generation. And unfortunately, due to the fact that it's been a mediocre generation of announcers, Michael Cole is the voice of generation. 
you could you could be on to something. Now, listen, I know a lot of people are going to bring up King and JR. They're the goats for, for certain people. And, and that I can understand in comparison to if you grew up in the golden era, you may say them. I still stand by Bobby Gorilla, still the best duo. But I did put some people in here real quick for us to talk about, Sean. Some some unknowns. I put up Jesse and, and McMahon earlier. I think they're a great duo that don't get enough respect either. I would put them in the uh, upper tier of, like, wrestling commentators. Um, I, would, I would give the nod to Jesse and Gorilla over Jesse and Vince, though. I do like Jesse and Gorilla for they used to do a lot of the pay per views and stuff together. Yeah. Is what I remember from them. Um, shout out to BJ joining us. What's good, BJ? Hopefully you guys catch him every Friday on Everything Pro Wrestling's audio version with BJ's uh, The Count. Uh, make sure you guys check him out. Um, hold on, Rob says Joe Naismith is an NFL Hall of Famer and his numbers are the definition of pedestrian. Jeez, Louise. Hey, listen, uh, I think. When you predict the Super Bowl, you 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 I don't know, man. That's awesome. Uh, I think if Vince wasn't in his ear as much as he would be respected as a commentator, because Michael Cole has been killing it since SummerSlam. But th- once again, new boss, different presentation now, right? Yeah. Uh, Gorilla and Jesse, yep. See, Matt Matt's right on ball with you. He agrees. But I wanted to bring up some kind of unsung heroes that I didn't know we were going to get to bring up. I have a duo first that I have to bring in that I love for. I think it was a year. Now, listen, I love Jim Ross and WCW. Jim Ross, if you don't know, like, a great Jim Ross, I'm looking right into the camera when I say this. Mm-hmm. Go listen to Jim Ross call Ron Simmons beating Vader. If you think Jim Ross is not that good, this is one of those ones that I always use with someone's like, oh, Jim Ross was only for those one-line bites in the attitude there. I'm like, no, no, Jim Ross was great. Like, go listen to old-school WCW. JR was the man. Him and Tony Schiavone were fighting to be the top announcer. Eric Bischoff was the C-team announce team. Think about that for a second. Bro, this team right here, Paul Heyman and Jim Ross, for the one year that we had them, absolute legends. Absolute legends. And the one thing that Paul Heyman brings up sometimes on, like, the DVDs that he got in trouble for, and he knew that Vince was in the ring so he wouldn't get in trouble for it. You know the line I'm talking about in Washington. Right. That man is absolutely the whole thing, but for anybody who wants to look up the first part of the line, you can Google the rest. Uh, Ma, I got to come to Washington, and it was it was a reference to uh, of the president at the time, and it was it was just a crazy time to be a fan. But I love the banter between them, and Jr. said he was literally annoying, like he hated working with him because they would really be arguing on air. And Heyman would just make JR stupid sometimes. Like, well, that's a stupid reason to say something like that, sir. The Alliance are clearly going to destroy this person. (laughs) And JR would get mad. And I loved it. Just one of those things, man, that I'll just like, I'll I'll slap the table and I just laugh at. Um, And I don't know. Back to WCW as well. Say that again? I said their their history as a team goes back to WCW. Yeah, I actually just watched uh, Sting Squadron versus, um, oh my goodness, what was the Dangerous Alliance. I just watched that, and I was like the lead up. There was some commentary between them on there as well. Uh, I absolutely loved it. I don't know if you had any uh, like unsung groups. I got one more, but I wanted to throw it to you. If you had someone who you could just think of that's like an unsung duo or a team that you don't think gets enough respect. I, I don't I don't have a team, but I, I'll, it's in the Todd Pettengill family. I, I'm a big fan of Sean Mooney. I, I think love Sean, Sean Mooney. I think he brought a, a level of professionalism 
Uh, obviously, he was a very um, uh, talented real-life reporter. He did some work for WWOR uh, after his WWE tenure came to an end. But I liked Mooney because Mooney was a wrestling guy and a news guy, and he brought the two together nicely. Yeah, and maybe that's why they picked like uh, Michael Cole during that time. Maybe that was a, another good reason. I'll throw even Kevin Kelly and Don Callis out there for New Japan. I thought they were great. Like, New Japan's had some pretty good English commentary teams uh, from time to time. And I got to bring this guy up. This this wow. is the one who Casey always argues with me. He thinks he's the GOAT. Joey Styles used to call shows by himself. Yeah. By himself in someone's basement. He's just down there. They put the ECW backdrop just like me and Sean are doing right here, just talking in front of a camera. And Joey Styles is sitting in there, oh, my God, and doing all of his stuff that he always likes to hit and get in there. Is Joey Styles really wh- – where do you put him on there for yourself? Like, is he memorable to you? You're a New York City guy. Yeah, I got to give Joey Styles a lot of credit. I think Joey Styles' um, time in WWE was a little bit – Mediocre, but from the work that he did, what made him famous in uh, ECW, like you said, working shows alone. How hard is it? Excuse me. How hard is it to work an entire pay-per-view all by yourself and still be entertaining? Like he never, I mean, you don't have a chance to take a breath. You don't have a chance to throw it back and get yourself together. You have nothing. You're, there's no net when you're working by yourself. Joey Styles was unbelievable. Think of how many pay-per-views Michael Cole lost his voice. I remember WrestleMania 19, I believe, specifically when Brock wins. His voice is going out as the show is ending. Mm-hmm. And Joey Styles was doing whole shows. Like, props to him for that, man. And Cole had a partner there to help call it with him. Uh, also, RIP to Michael Cole's shoe after he got f 5 <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, BJ said, I do think in hindsight we need to give more respect to Mike Tanay and Don West. Ooh, that's another uh, unsung team. Uh, and I, you know what? Prayers to Don West, man. I hope he, him and his family are doing well. I know he's dealing with a lot right now. So if you guys do uh, make it over to his Twitter, I think Mike Tanay has it up too. Uh, he is still taking donations, I think, from him and his family to help out and okay. cover everything that he is dealing with. You guys can read up on that if you'd like. Uh my favorite Vince-ism is the one, two, and no, no, that was not three. <laughs> you know what he also would do? He would also say three and then take it back as well. Yeah. Uh, Jim Ross and Jesse and WCW were very good as well. Yeah, I, I think the ones I watched uh, recently were uh, Tony Schiavone and Jesse uh, calling some of the action too. Uh, and then Tony was dressed up like Jesse for the Halloween show. Uh, where's the Joey Styles love? Oh, see, there we go. Sick. I'm sorry. I was getting to it. I was getting to it. Uh, Jim Ross uh, is like the voice of God for wrestling like Morgan Freeman. Uh, Kevin Kelly and Jim Cornette were decent, uh, too, for their time. Kevin Kelly gets slept on a lot, and I think he was hated because he was a Jim Cornette guy. Kevin Kelly and Steve Carino from ROH, yeah. I also really like the team of Taz and Cole on commentary when Taz would say, here comes the pain. Yes, I used to love that. That reminds me of the video game days. Joey Styles is incredible. Taz and Cole could be super entertaining together. Also, Taz and Excalibur. Yeah, they're pretty funny together, too. Excalibur calls him out on that mess, but you got to watch Dark to get that. Kevin Kelly's super underrated, and I really like Ian Riccoboni. What do you think of the ROH team, Riccoboni and Caprice Coleman? Yeah, they're, they're good as well. I think that they have a little bit more polishing they need to do, but obviously, you know, they're on the come up. I think I, I think they're, they're – they, they, they paint the ROH picture the way it needs to be painted. 
right? And there's Rob mentioning them, too. He also put Matt Stryker and Vampiro. You know if you love Lucha Underground, and I loved me some Lucha Underground. I adored this. Um, Joey Styles and Cyrus were so good. I love Joey Styles. I'll give him his flowers, but now he's a, well, we ain't getting into that. Nope, I ain't touching it. Um, Yeah, that's what it is, man. Um, Sean, I don't know if you want to add anything else onto this topic. I don't want to add because a lot of people were, Sick was actually 100% right. I got a little bit of, appreciate the responses. I want everybody in the chat it's a quick yes or no. I really want to know your opinions. I know it's a little bit awkward because it's really a tough question. Michael Cole, Hall of Famer or not. I only got about four or five responses, which I appreciate. But, like, I want everybody to chime in. Michael Cole, Michael Cole, Hall of Famer, yay or nay. But other than that, I love the topic. Thank you, man. I, I think I think everybody enjoyed it as well. Yeah, you know what? Matt Lopez is it wrong. Cole Cabana I thought was all right as an announcer, too. Like, towards the end of Ring of Honor, he was transitioning over to doing that before he got the call from AEW. So, and maybe that's something he could look into after he's done uh, being in the ring. Ooh, Ace said, what about Josh Matthews? I like Josh Matthews in WWE. I did not like Josh Matthews in Impact, though. Yeah, I agree. I like Josh Matthews Matthews because he got a job after Tough Enough. Other than that, not really. Yeah, tough man. One day, one day we should talk some tough enough. If they ever bring it back, remind me that's going to be one of these episodes too. Can't forget about Booker T. Nah, ah, shucky ducky quack quack. I, he's all right on pre-shows and stuff, but I don't like Booker T as a commentator. I feel like he never knows enough. Like he's just making it up as he goes and laughing and stuff. And I, I love, I love Booker T as a as a, as a performer, but yeah, he's not great behind the microphone. Uh, yes, especially once he showed that he had personality after uh, the Vince stuff. Josh Matthews stinks, Rob says. Well, at least you guys are honest. Speaking of, sp- speaking of stinking, this oh. seems like the perfect time to, oh. uh, Let's go. <laughs> to move on. This is a topic near and dear to uh, some people's hearts within the wrestling community. We, we always advertise Raw after this because it's going to be on at 8 tonight. Uh, lots happening, right? We had a return happen last week. It was the big return of Anderson and Gallows to join their friend AJ Styles. Now, as Sean said, we talked in pre-production about this. And um, it, it ain't hitting for me, man. <laughs> And I wanted to get your thoughts though on the air about it, man. I wasn't feeling it. And I can tell you why, but I want to hear your reasons first. I made a point about a month ago about how people return and get pops just because they return. Jonathan Coachman, I don't say this to be disrespectful, but Jonathan Coachman's not a wrestler, he's an announcer. Jonathan Coachman got a big response when he returned to WWE. One of the most limited guys in the business, in my opinion, Braun Strowman. And people think I'm really dogging out Braun Strowman. This is my genuine opinion. I think he's a stellar athlete, but I think he's very limited. Braun Strowman got a big reaction when he came back to WWE. The list goes on and on. The Good Brothers didn't even get a good reaction. It was the most uncomfortable unexciting moment 
as it relates to a team or a superstar coming back to WWE. It laid a complete egg. We all saw it coming, and nobody cared. And that's the worst thing you could... Nobody cared. Did you care? <laughs> you Oh, you want me to answer now? I did not. I did not. <laughs> I did not. It was weak, man. It was weak. It was weak. And I, and I, oh man, I, one of the most decorated teams in the history of the business, they have been WWEized so badly that now it's like, it doesn't even matter that they're back. I mean, this, this fizzled, this fizzled immediately. As soon as they came out, it fizzled. I love someone thought I was going to put a, put a manscaped ad in here. <laughs> no, no, not tonight. No manscape, but bro. All right, man. Listen, I don't hate Anderson and Gallows. I like them in the Bullet Club, but you nailed it right on the head when you said it, bro. They they got WWE, bro. Yo, never let someone say they cannot book you into oblivion. Right? They can. They can. Bro, if you look up the stats, go back to when they debuted with AJ, and I want you to look at how many tag team wins they got over that time period. It is horrible. Then they randomly one day, remember when their contracts were coming up and WWE was doing the whole, do you want the belts? We'll give you the belts. And they were they got the belts randomly. They just ran it. They were on Raw. They beat someone. I was like, what the heck? I mean, I guess if that's what we're doing. And I was like, maybe they're going to take them serious. They signed those new contracts, and before the ink was even wet, shwoop, give me those. They're all gone, and they were the first ones out, and they complained. And this is the part that hurts me, Sean. You complained about those contracts. Then you started saying, I'll never go back there. I'll never do this. When someone passed away in WWE, they had grieving counselors there. You know how it is at work. They always get grieving counselors and stuff in case you needed it. And Carl Anderson proceeded to dog them for that. And I was just like, bro, what? And I just couldn't believe that when I heard that they had feelers for them to come back. It just, it seems so hypocritical. And I know Carl Anderson said, I'll come back maybe if I need a second pool or something. Yada, yada, yada. I get it. I just, I feel like they came off as very phony. Yeah. Like when some people say they're not coming back, don't come back then. Like literally mean it or put up more of a fight than they did. They were like, oh no, please don't take us from impact, please. And they just went right on over. They waltzed right over there. And I'm going to take it a step further. I think it does something bad for AJ Styles as well, because I, I think AJ Styles would have been better off. I mean, I think number one, staying by himself and continuing being AJ Styles would be the best option. But if you were going to join up with somebody, you should have joined up with Judgment Day because getting back with the Good Brothers, it, 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 it's like middle of the road. It, it wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It was just whatever. And that, and when the Good Brothers arrived last week, I was like, because you can see it coming when he hugged, when he hugged Finn Balor. I mean, we all knew it was coming, right? And nobody cared. No, I mean, Conrad, nobody cared. How could you? I I just don't like it. I don't know. And we've been through this bullet club train too many times. So I want to play a game, Sean. I want you to tell me, did they make the right move or the wrong move? And we're going to get to that in one second, Matt, too, that uh, Carl Anderson, for those who don't know, is the never open weight champion. It's like the second biggest title in New Japan currently. 
So he's basically the equivalent of the Intercontinental Champion right now, and he was working without a contract is the rumor. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of this is rumor. So let's see what happens with that. And supposedly they're booked all the way through Wrestle Kingdom. We'll oh. see what Ghetto is able to pull out of this or if there's a relationship between them. But going back, let's go back to when their contracts were up. Tony Khan calls you in. Brand new. He's like, listen, you've seen what we've done. We've already had our pay-per-views. We got our first show coming up. You're AJ Styles, Anderson, and Gallows. The idea was pitched to them. This is the rumor. I want you three to be on the first show. Kenny and the Bucks will win the match. They'll be out there celebrating. I want you three to come in to attack them, and we'll have a big program at the next pay-per-view for you guys. That's how we set up everything. It's laid out and presented to you. Would you have taken that deal, or would you have went back to WWE for more money at that time? Um, I think AJ going, you're talking about AJ and the and all, yeah. all three of them. All three of them going would have made an impact, no pun intended, because it would have been a, them AJ, you know, switching, you know, going over to AEW. But honestly, bro, like the Good Brothers don't really. I mean, it's it's nothing to me. Like AJ would have been the selling point of that situation. But, I mean, to answer your question, I'm never going to say that somebody shouldn't take money to feed their families. But, you know, if they're offering you 100 grand a year and WWE's offering you a million, I'm just throwing random numbers out there. you got to do what you got to do. I'm just saying, trying to say that they do look like, well, the point you made earlier, they do look like sellouts. They do look like they're just getting, it's like a money grab. And the worst thing that you can be in, w, in, in wrestling is not relevant. And I don't think, and I saw a comment earlier uh, Ace said WWE needs more tag teams. Yeah, but I mean, the Good Brothers without AJ Styles might as well be on, well be on the main event. The Good Brothers are played out, bro. It's it's just not worth. They were played out in AEW. They were played out in Impact. They haven't been good since for for a while. For a while, I think that the the idea of them leaving. So to me, for AJ, him staying in WWE, I don't question it at all. AJ was always booked fine. He had nothing to worry about. He was there, and I mean, afterwards, was he booked kind of crappily, I guess we'll say? Yeah. He could. He should be in the world title picture, in my opinion. If you've got that guy, he should be in the mix. Absolutely. But Anderson and Gallows, I would have said, been telling AJ, like, yo, this is a big chance for us. We got to go over here with him. Like, we got to take this money. There's no way that we're going to uh, not be booked properly over here, especially in the beginning of AEW. They had that chance, and I think once they got fired from WWE, then they went back and said, hey, is that offer still there? And Tony said, no, that offer's not here anymore. And, I don't and, when, they started, and when they started working with Impact, they were like, hey, can we hang out with Kenny? And I'm sure the Bucks put in the good word, like, yeah, let him work with Kenny and us. You know, we're, We'll kind of be like the old Bullet Club again. And Tony was like, sure. And then when the time came to an end, he was like, nah, I still don't need you. I'll call you if I need you guys. Thanks. I think he felt betrayed a little bit by them because they strung him all the way till the end is the rumor of what happened. So, In, in, a, in a time frame where Khan has been a little bit wishy-washy and, and, and taking a stand and being a boss, he made the right decision as a boss in this particular case. And to give you another analogy that I think everybody would appreciate, NWO. There was an NWA team and there was an NWOB team. The B team was like Stevie Ray, Scott Norton. That's, you know, to me, the Good Brothers are bullet team, bullet, bullet, bullet club B team. You know, the A team is the Bucks and Omega. And, um, you know, to an extent, you have Adam Cole. 
the Good Brothers and AJ. And AJ would be A-Team as well. But but the Good Brothers, no. Man, Matt Lopez coming to say in the kingdom over Anderson and Gallows. Woo. In 2022, I agree completely. Uh, bro, ain't nobody said I can't wait to see Carl Anderson in the ring. So exactly. look, my question is then, Sean, does this open the doors? Like, is there a possibility WWE and them work together? Or is Triple H just being kind and saying, finish out your dates, then come over here afterwards? Or you could do both. Mm, I think if you're using the Good Brothers as a parameter to bridge the gap between other organizations and WWE, that, that bridge is going to collapse. Because that that's not the way you start building a bridge. Maybe it can lead to more negotiations down the road. Maybe it can lead to some people talking and having some conversations. But to me, WWE, this is a bad mis- This is a mistake by Triple H. This, this, the Good Brothers coming over to me sings desperation when they don't need to be desperate. WWE has been the most entertaining it's been over the last three months that it has been in the last four years. So they need to kind of ride that wave. Bringing in the Good Brothers was corny to me. Either leave AJ Styles by himself or have him join the Judgment Day. And by the way, I would have loved to see AJ join the Judgment Day. That would have had a lot more impact than the Good Brothers coming back. Right. Uh, BJ says the kingdom need to go to AEW. Adam Cole needs his old stable since Kyle and Bobby are out. Ooh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that was a ROH remix right there that they could end up doing. AJ has been directionless the last two years. He went from main eventing with Taker to the IC champion to babysitting Omos. That was the babysitting Omos was the worst thing that I thought they could have had them do. Uh, Good Brothers haven't been good since New Japan. It's okay to say it. You're not lying, bro. I will co-sign that Um, when they were with the Bullet Club. I'll take bad luck Fale over both Carl Anderson. Woo. Uh, they are Buff Bagel and Scott Norton of the Bullet Club. Yikes. And Rob said, B team, B team, go, go, go. Uh, good old Curtis Axel. Jeez Louise. Like I said, I, I don't want to be repetitive, but I believe it, it deserves repeating. When people come back, they get pops. Uh, just by natural reaction, when you're surprised to see someone – the coach, I keep using the coach as an example, and I mean this in the most respectful way. The coach got a standing ovation when he returned by surprise to WWE. It was like Hulk Hogan or The Rock came back. He got a standing ovation, and that's okay. When you see somebody you don't expect to see, you get excited. You get excited. When the Good Brothers came back on Monday, it was it was like... It was like I, I can't even describe. It wasn't a pop. Was it a pop? Maybe I was it a pop. I didn't it think wasn't. so. It wasn't. I, I felt like theirs and the kingdoms like showing up both came off very like what <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everybody was just like oh okay, all right, let's see what they do. So let's see what happens with the capitalization of this. And speaking of people who love to use returns for pops. As we get into our second last uh, piece of news here, I wanted to bring this to your attention, Sean, because this kind of deals with us um, dealing in this world of we do interviews from time to time. I, I know you say we're journalists. I don't ever like to consider myself one. I always just tell people, listen, I'm a fan. I'm just asking you questions. You don't have to answer it, whatever. But I, I, no, but I see your point, too, though, as we sometimes want to be taken serious in this. So you have to know, like, what's going to happen in this. Ariel Hawani is one of the best out there when it came to MMA for quite some time. And now he is also involved into uh, some of the aspects of pro wrestling. He Mm -hmm. loves pro wrestling. And he's also a Buffalo Bills fan. So 
Shout uh-huh. out to Ariel Hawani. Right. Now, he did an interview with Tony Khan, and this is actually a screenshot from his podcast, The Ariel Hawani Show, where he had Tony Khan on about, it's probably over a week old now. And he was just asking him questions about the CM Punk stuff. He said he couldn't answer. He asked about the MJF contract stuff. He said he couldn't answer. And he said that, yes, he outright asked him those questions, and he knew he couldn't get an answer. But at the same token, Ariel Hawani then asked, well, how do you feel about it? Like, um, that would be like me saying, Sean, I know you can't speak about it, but what are your feelings towards CM Punk at this moment? Like, it's not going to lead to legal implications, but I'm asking you how you feel. Tony Khan said no comment. He avoided all of these, but he was also very accommodating with his time in that interview. Uh, the interview did have some awkward points where Ariel Hawani, so MJF's interview was the interview that was not cleared by AEW's PR team. So he was like, oh, I thought you didn't like me, kind of. And they got brought up a couple times, like, it's, it's a very me thing. Like, you know how I am as a person. Yeah, I would bring up stuff and you're like, dude, are you, why do you keep repeating this? Is there an issue? I'm right. trying to clear this up. And I'm like, no, 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 I have to make sure for me, like, are mm-hmm. we good? Cool, cool. So I get what he was trying to do there, but it was very awkward to do it on camera during an interview. Like, are we good? Yeah, we're fine. Tony said it like three times. We're good, man. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And he was very accommodating. Like, he even let him step away for a second. Tony came back and said, I'll answer whatever you got for me. Ask me whatever you want. And he, did, he didn't say answer whatever, but he tried his best. He asked question after question. He was stonewalled for most of them. And it was basically Tony Khan promoting his show. Mm-hmm. Ariel Hawani then afterwards went out and said that it was one of the worst interviews he thought he ever had. He said the guy didn't want to answer anything. He said, AEW freakazoids are going to come after me for this. And this sent everyone into an uproar. Uh, Things were found out. And I think stuff that I knew, everybody started to find out. Number one, he just did an interview with Triple H. And someone said, why didn't you ask Triple H about Vince McMahon? He was like, well, that's not not important. That would be like asking... uh, uh, Bob Knight, uh, like his replacement, what did you think of Bob Knight and his coaching? Oh, I disagree. That was a horrible example, by the way, because Bob Knight's assistant coach ended up taking over for him. Right. Horrible example. Horrible, but he example. Didn't... horrible example, and I disagree with the premise as well. Right. So he got into some of that stuff. Do you know who his former agent was that got him the job on ESPN? Nick Khan. Wow. So now he's being confirmed as like he's a WWE show. And his last statement was in the last six months, he thinks that WWE has been way better than AEW. And if you say otherwise, you're telling yourself a lie. I wanted to present it to you as how do you see this? What do you think overall? Well, as a a journalist, to use that hot button word, you you, you should be be impartial. Like he's really... That comment right there, I just want to kind of hone in on a little bit. You can't talk like that when you're supposed to be an impartial journalist. WWE has been way better, and if you're like you're W, like AEW freakazoids, what does that even what does that even mean? Like, I get what he's saying though. Like, if you say something bad about the other company, people will come out of the woodwork and just argue with you about it. Like, okay, but you're I, I've said things. I think I think you took it too far. That being said, though. He made a comment that I thought was unnecessary, but him saying it was the worst interview ever, I don't have a problem with that. He should take his brand seriously, and he should take what he does seriously, which is what makes him one of the best combat sports journalists in the world. Tony Khan didn't answer any questions. He was very vague in his responses, and that doesn't give uh, 
a journalist, a writer, a, a interviewer that much to go on. Okay, uh, Conrad, um, uh, subject A, how do you feel? No comment. Conrad, subject B, how do you feel? C, D, F, E, F, G. It's like, okay, what are we doing here? Why did you accept the interview in the first place? You know, like, it gets a little awkward. So I, I can understand that part. Right. Um, Matt Lopez said Tony didn't give Ariel Jack. Uh, this doesn't make anyone look good. Uh, not Tony, not Ariel. Well, I, I don't know what people wanted him to say about the CM Punk situation. If there's legal legalities to it, he can't talk about it. And MJF. But say, say that then. You could say out loud due to legal ramifications. I would love. Give your fans something. I would love to give you guys the 411, but unfortunately, I'm not at liberty to discuss. It, maybe maybe he can. Like I said, I think we all don't know everything that's going on with that, too. I think there's more to it because they've been quiet for a very long time and haven't said anything. Cray, what up, Cray? He said, uh, TK may be guarded because Ariel interviews WWE guys. He does work for BT Sport as well. Mm-hmm. Who I, I know AEW's on their channel now, but BT Sport gets a lot of WWE interviews as well. Uh, BJ said also, Tony only ever promotes his shows on any interview. Like, unless it's about pop culture references, it's all about the upcoming stuff. Not lying. Ariel shouldn't have made those comments. He came out looking like a WWE shill. I agree. I I think those were very bad. All Ariel did with those tweets was guarantee he would never get an interview with an AEW talent again. TK is in the middle of a potential lawsuit. Of course, he can't talk about it. I think Tony Khan's also feeling a lot of pressure from Triple H and WWE. I feel like the it's momentum, right, in all of this. You remember WCW. Oh, the yeah. momentum has shifted because Vince is gone. It's like, ding, dong, the witch is dead. Everybody's back over on WWE like, yes, million dollars production. We've got yeah. it all. Hunter's got three shows. He's going to make everything right. That's good for now. There's gonna Something's going to happen that is your breaking point that you're going to be like, okay. Then that's when I tell people that's when it's going to get real. That's what we're going to start seeing. Okay, no, you guys don't like me anymore, remember? I don't have to be the nice guy. And Tony Khan's in the you-don't-have-to-be-a-nice-guy mode. He might go cutthroat and just say, you know what? I'm going to do whatever I got to do now. I do want to make a comment regarding what Six said about how um, all Ariel did was guarantee he wouldn't get – he may get an interview with a disgruntled AEW talent. Yeah, when when they're ready to go. (laughs) Andrade, uh, yeah. who had a worse interview experience last week, Hawani with Tony Khan or Nori with Kanye? Oh, oh man, yeah, we don't even. I don't even want to speak his name into anything. Yeah, I, I, I don't have. And, any- and I thought Nori. I thought Nori's uh, apology was very uh, disingenuous. I guess is the best way really? to put it. I don't believe him. I thought, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not going to pretend like I listened to the whole thing. I thought that Nori apologized for what for making for apologized for basically being the platform to which Kanye made his comments. He was like, "Listen, it was on my platform." I am I wrong? Is wasn't that the gist of what he was saying? Yes, but at the same token, he said he kind of made it seem like, "Well, he's a he's a big deal podcaster, so he had you know what I mean." So I'm like, "Are you really sorry then, or did you just want the clicks? Like you already got the clicks, bro. It's too late. Like you you knew that beforehand. Come on." Uh, Ariel's going to interview Bobby Fish. Shout out to Bobby Fish who's been showing up backstage at uh, all the NXT shows. Bobby Fish is going to get him a job. He out there with the stereo playing the Undisputed Era music in front of Triple H House right now. I take take. Bobby Fish is nothing without the Undisputed Era music or without the Undisputed Era members. Bobby Fish 
Bobby Fish needs, I'm going on record, Bobby Fish needs the music because the music is awesome. He needs Kyle O'Reilly. He needs Adam Cole. He needs all the bells and whistles in order to be successful. And he ain't got it. And I felt bad for a minute at that impact show. He went out there, see a bunk, see a bunk. And I was just like, dirty, dirty, just to make that man angry. But listen, we got to wrap this up. But we, we got to talk about Bray. Bray on SmackDown, bro. I got to get your thoughts on this, man. He finally came out and we got to hear from the man. And he was in like full blown. I felt like he was himself for the first time. Like he didn't have to play a character. He didn't have to be Husky Harris or he didn't he have Wyndham. to be. He was, was Wyndham. Mm hmm. What did you think of it, though? Did you think he did? Did he feel real to you? How did you feel like watching this? Like, was it a big time moment? I absolutely loved it. But the problem I have, I don't like, and I'm going to keep this brief, I don't like when you got something good going and you interrupt it. I'm going to give you a perfect example. Last week on Raw, you had a really cool moment with the bloodline and Sami Zayn cutting off Roman Reigns and getting into it with Jay Uso, right? And he's like, everybody loves Jimmy, everybody loves Solo. But you know what, Jay, you're not Usi enough. You need to be more Usi. But they cut it off with 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 um, with Riddle. No, let that continue to play out. We want to know what's going to happen next. Same thing with Bray Wyatt. You cut it off with the vignette, so it's like, and it it, it does lead to some intrigue. Like, is Bray Wyatt being led by someone else? Is Bo coming back? Is that Bray? Is it, is it simply Bray's alter ego, or is it another human being? It's cool, but that interview, let that interview just run its course. Let him. Say what he has to say. Don't leave. Everything doesn't need a question mark. I know wrestling's all about what's going to happen next. Everything doesn't need a question mark. And I felt like that great interview left an unnecessary question mark, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. That was – I feel like they want the cliffhangers. To me, out of the three shows Triple H is producing, SmackDown's the A show. Am I wrong in that thinking? I feel like they're getting everything that's big. It's happening over there. You're not wrong and, and I feel like that's what they want to do with it. And Raw needs content filler. They need filler, like, to, to just get stuff over to make sure that it's happening. Um, oh, this is a good question for you, too. What would you think of the new theme song? Did you like it? It felt very unwrestling-y, if that makes sense. It did. Like, it had percussions. It was kind of slow. It felt like a song you would listen to, like, on the – you know how, like, you buy a CD – and they mm-hmm. have the three songs, and you're like, oh, these are the music video songs. And then you hear the one song, and you're like, oh, this is for me, kind of, because I bought this. I, I like Bray's old theme. I mean, I, I could have done without the song change. Every every return doesn't need a new theme music, but whatever. Okay. All right, so. Did you like it? I thought it was pretty cool. I didn't hate okay. it. Usually, you, So I'm one of those people, I don't like answering it within the first, like, couple weeks. Because I usually hate every new theme when it first happens. I'm like, no, why did you do this? And then it's like the Judgment Day theme with Edge. It grew on me eventually. It, I, it took me going to the gym and listening to it, though. And I was like, yeah, I, I kind of can feel this now a little bit. But I'm, it I'm took me back, a second. I'm going to take you back to 11 years old. Shawn Michaels, to me, has the greatest, number one greatest in-ring competitor of all time. Shawn Michaels also, to me, has the greatest theme music of all time, right? When the DX music came out, I was pissed. I hated it because I love Shawn Michaels' music, but then DX music grew on me, so it's the same premise. Um, 
People are coming up with their theories for Bray. Let me see what Six says here. Okay, here's my theory on the new Bray Wyatt gimmick. I think the gimmick is a play on mental health, uh, the stages of depression, and I think that's what those characters represent. Ooh. Uh, That interview from Bray was amazing for Matt Lopez. Damon says it's him being himself, but he's being tortured by the voices in his head. That's why he was so flustered and emotional. I think the character is like the movie Split. Yes, I mentioned that uh, too on uh, other people's podcasts. Uh, yeah, SmackDown is the flag show. Say what you want, but USA money ain't got nothing on Fox money. You ain't lying there. His fact. faction might be his personalities, and that's what I was going to ask you, Sean. Like, do you see it being? Do you want? Do you think he should elevate five different people, or do you think this is a playoff of? Bray's got six different personalities. This has kind of been the Twitter theme of where they're going with this. I want to give you a lot of credit for putting this together, but no, I hope that's not. First of all, awesome job by you, but I hope you're wrong, and I hope the fans are wrong. It has to be human beings. It can't be six different stages of Bray. It can't. It can't. You have such an opportunity. You have such an opportunity to make some big stars. Don't just say it's just six sides of Bray. Give me humans. Give me Alexa Bliss. Give me Liv Morgan. Give me uh, the, the kid from NXT. Give me, I don't know, give me the coach of it, whatever. Give me humans. Give me Baron Corbin in one of these roles. Like, don't, oh, you're, you're making me sad. If this turns out to just be six faces of Bray, I'll be very, would you not be disappointed with that? I think you need to use this to elevate people. But, like, let's be honest. Joe Gacy's gimmick, yo, most of the stuff in NXT ain't working. It's right. sh- I just don't feel it at this point. I'm not a fan of – I like Carmelo Hayes. I think Braun Breaker kind of needs a facelift. I don't want him to be stuck down there. Mm-hmm. Um, And one of those characters is supposed to represent Luke Harper. The one with the mask is called Uncle Harper, supposedly, or or Uncle Howdy. Mm. Is the other name that they're using right now. I don't think they've gotten clearance on what they want to use it for, but I uh, hope he got his wife's blessing. I, I'm, I was told they're really close, sick, so I think they're good on that. Uh, SmackDown's definitely the A show. You keep Alexa Bliss away from Bray and off my TV. Yeah, I can't. That Randy Orton one, man, I'll never forgive them for that. That was the moment when Derek, who I do the uh, AEW podcast with, he every loved. Wednesday, every Wednesday night after. After Dynamite, EPW, Dynamite Review Show. Tuesday tomorrow, though. Yep. <laughs> Tuesday tomorrow. So when it comes to, like, Bray, I knew he was sad when he saw him lose that way. Like, it was so weird, the the stuff coming down her face, RKO, he's done, and he loses, and then he just vanished. And he was like, yo, he's done. Like, when people get to that point, I feel bad for them when their character, like, loses so much that they're like, yeah, I'm through with it. Right. Uh, it absolutely hurts. Uh, Matt Lopez says keep Breaker away. <laughs> needs a, Or no, he said he needs a heel turn, excuse me. Um, yeah, yeah. So I'm with you, bro. I think Bray should definitely try to elevate different people. He could definitely even come up with new characters with all of this. Uh, I'm intrigued, though. It's not Bray's – I know you didn't mean it like this, but I'm just throwing it out there. It's not Bray's responsibility. It's WWE management's responsibility. It's Triple H's responsibility. You have an amazing opportunity, bro. Yo, it's called the Bray Six or the Wyatt Six. You have the chance. For the love of God, look, 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 feel me on this, please. You have a chance to build five stars immediately. Well, it's a no-brainer. 
it should be it should be a layup, but are they going to get there? Um, and BJ, I agree with pretty much everyone that you said that you like right there. Um, what you know what I might put Wendy Chu on there too. I really like Wendy Chu a lot because she's shown how versatile she is. But you're 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 hitting the nail on the head again, Sean. I, I fully agree with you on this. You could make more stars. I'm not even saying they're going to be main event level, but you're better off doing what you're doing now. All those people that you've mentioned, you're better off. What's Bo doing? He's sitting at home. Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan's in this weird, like, Jeff Hardy stage they got her in. Like, I'm just going to dive off of big stuff and just do these table bumps. That's cool and all, but where's this going? What are we doing with this? And you could be doing that. Uh, And shout out to the homie uh, Joel. Joel was good, bro. Uh, Damon said, uh, give me people that aren't being used. Dominic, uh, Ali, Shelton, Alexander, Rude, Ziggler, Baszler, Evans. The list There's a lot of people. I mean, you have five spots. I, I would assume one spot would be for a female, at least one spot. But five spots that you can put right on the ma- I mean, instantaneous stardom for whoever you choose. Why would you just waste it all at six personalities of break? That would be a huge mistake. I'm with you, man. I'm with you on this. But I, I, I'm having a feeling. My gut tells me it's going to pay off. Will it pay off like we all wanted to by Survivor Series? I don't know. But I think it's going to pay off. What what what's the War Games match? I think we. I'm pretty sure we're on track for the women's right. It's got to be the Damage Control Bianca, right? Yeah. Uh, with with Alexa and 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 Oscar, yeah, that that vibe. Yeah, I'm, per- mm-hmm. I'm sure there's going to be other friends in that match. But what's the is is the men's war games no. match? Is that going to be? I don't think it's been solidified yet. Have you heard something? I haven't heard any announcements. No, no. I'm just trying to visualize in my head. Could it be? The, some people are saying it's the bloodline. I saw somebody argue maybe it's going to be Finn and the homies now. Maybe they'll get the chance to represent Grape Street. They'll be able to go in there, do what they got to do. I don't know. I, my only hope is that they don't put Roman in the match. I, I don't think I think Roman should have a title defense. Um, let's make this let's make this um, new face of, 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 of Survivor Series really mean something. Obviously, War Games is a major step in the right direction. Don't get me wrong, but let's have Roman defend the title and let's have the four members of Bloodline go up against four members of somebody else. If Bloodline's in it, you have to do something major. If you're not going to do something major, don't even do it. Agreed. Um, I mean, I think, I think the team of I think the team of Solo, Sammy, and the Usos going up against the new Wyatt family. I mean, I think any of that works. I think going up against Judgment Day works. If we can get, imagine if AJ had joined the Judgment Day now. Yeah, oh. you could have you could have messed around and did some things. Oh. Uh, Six said, "How dope would it have been to have Oscar in one of those spots? She's a scary lady. She's done the scary lady gimmick before." You could. But, she, but she was scary, like, she was, good point, Sick, but she was scary, like, dangerous scary, not, to no pun intended, not sick scary, not demented scary, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and, and Bray's a big horror film fan. Like, uh, I think Damon mentioned it about Split. I, I'm getting Split vibes from it, too, that he can go into these different characters like he was when it was uh, the pandemic era a little bit. Uh, Braun Breaker is in the early stage of Ryback. Jeez. What up, E? Thank you for coming in here. Wyatt Six. I think the women's war games that survive. I think it's a women's war games at Survivor Series. One men's, one women's. Yeah, that should be. I I, I would hope that's what they're going to end oh, up doing. Definitely. 
Uh, Judgment Day to me is looking like they're going to be in war games because they are feuding with a bunch of people right now. It could yeah, be. They don't, have, they don't have enough people unless you want to. Would you have the first ever intergender war games? How? Ooh, that's that's a risk to pull off, though. I know it's very. I, I don't see them doing that just because of the toy deals and the video, like the video games, you can't even do any intergender stuff. So I don't oh, see them being oh. allowing it unless they've changed their stance. Triple H oh. is in charge now. Maybe, oh, maybe they could. I threw that out there as a theory and I think you hit the nail on the head. I don't think they'll do it either. I think you're hundred percent right. But if that were the case, then then your bloodline would have to, uh, excuse me, um, judgment day would have to add a new member. This is true. Uh, let's see here. Some people are saying, uh, bloodline versus whoever have the belts. There's a lot of choices. Right now, I think the best thing to say with WWE is I'm intrigued. Yes. And I haven't been in a long time. So I'm watching SmackDown. I'm going to get ready to watch Raw here in a few minutes. Um, oh, no. What? You just had a bad thought? I did. I did. Say it. You speak it now so that it doesn't happen, hopefully. What, what if somehow Logan Paul's in the War Games match against the Bloodline? <sighs> What if it like check check out this corny team? And I have so much respect for Rey Mysterio, but what if it's like Ray Ray, Logan Paul, Braun Strowman? Like, what if it's like a corny combination of? You can't do that. Not oh, the first one. I hope not. I hope not. You need a story in these, and I think the, the when the problem when you do two war games is they have to be different each time. And it's hard because the war games usually works best psychologically when the heels have the advantage. Right. And I always found it weird when they'd be like, let's just give it to the faces to be different. Because you eventually you're like, how many times would the heels really get the advantage? Exactly. And now you're just doubling it. Yeah. Um, it makes it interesting. But, Sean, plug plug what you've done this week because uh, you did come up with a tremendous broadcast. I saw it got great views and stuff. If people who are uh, combat sports fans want to check it out, let them know. I am very excited. I want to give a big shout out to Conrad, my brother and colleague. Big shout out to Joel, uh, Fight, and all the people over there. I had a major, major success. Big shout out to Iceman John Scully. Um, we did a preview of the um, excuse me Wilder versus Hellenius fight that took place on Fight TV pay per view. It was an amazing experience, and the fight lived up to the billing. I know first round knockouts are not typically. Um, you know, anything that we enjoy from a pay-per-view standpoint, uh, paying our hard-earned money. But as far as the spectacular return of the Bronze Bomber, I thought it was absolutely excellent. Make sure you go to Hubbard Wrestling Weekly. Make sure you go to EPW's uh, YouTube show, as, uh, YouTube channel as well. But as it pertains to what I'm talking about, like, I got combat sports on lock. I say that humbly. I, I say I got it on lock because I love it. I love it so much. I love wrestling. I love boxing. I love MMA. And that's what we were talking about. And make sure you check out Hubbard Wrestling tomorrow, as I do what I used to do a long time ago, which is create these custom editorials as I talk about the return of Deontay Wilder right back into the title picture. So check me out, Hubbard Wrestling Weekly on YouTube, Hub Wrestling Weekly on Instagram, and Hub Wrestling underscore MVP on TikTok. 1.7 million views and counting. Um, God bless, man. And Conrad, as always, man, appreciate you. No, all good, man. And I want to give a shout out to everybody who joins us in the chat every week. I want you guys here every Monday, so make sure you guys are checking us out. And to those who are AEW fans, we will be back tomorrow, 10.05, our usual time. Uh, We're going to review AEW Dynamite, so no Wednesday show, but you're getting it a day early. So 
That'll give us some time to get into it. And for me and Sean, we'll be back next week on Monday. 6.05 is the time where you can catch us just like those old classic WCW broadcasts. And we are going to be talking some pro wrestling for you guys. It could be some WWE, could be some AEW, could be some independent wrestling, could be a mix. It could be some classic wrestling. But you want to make sure you are subscribed to both of us and keep it locked here first. For myself and Sean, we are out. One.